0: We're in Beirut for a new episode of the Beirut Banyan. And we're joined today by Mazen al-Hassan, Wissam al-Hassan's elder son. We were meant to meet in Martyrs Square today, in downtown, during the protests, and the roads are blocked, the highway is shut down. Mazen is up north, I'm here in Beirut, and I decided to break my own rule here and do the interview over the phone. Uh, The episode covers what is happening right now. This is now one week into the demonstration. Uh, Mazin shares his personal views, uh, his political views, and, of course, his relationship with his father. Uh, The commemoration of his father's assassination just passed on October 19. It's been seven years now since Wissam al-Hassan's assassination. Um, My father is buried next to Wissam al-Hassan, in martyrs square my father was assassinated just over a year later and i reached out to Mesin, wanting to hear his views and i know that uh, he has a a a common pain uh, a shared personal wound and uh, we're both determined to keep going to Martyrs square to the protests and for in his case in Tripoli and I think he'll be back in Beirut as soon as he can. So we are, um, we have common destiny and we have uh, mutual appreciation for genuine sacrifice when it comes to the Lebanese state. I wanted to hear his words, his way. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Beirut Banyan. I'm Rani Shatah with Mazin Al-Hassan. And I'm I'm honored that we're doing this today. Um, it's actually it's it's quite special that we had we had planned to meet this afternoon, and of course because of what's happening, not just in Beirut but throughout the country, our uh, the the road from Tripoli to Beirut is pretty much blocked. So uh, I'm breaking my own rule here, deciding to do this over the phone. Um, I hope that uh, all we want to say will be shared one day in person. But for the meantime, it'll have to stay through, uh, through the uh, phone data that maybe in a way triggered a lot of what we're watching right now. Um, regardless, it's, it's a privilege to speak to you and um, Mazen, can you just for a moment just step back in time a bit? Uh, we, we, we have perhaps common fate. Uh, Both of our fathers paid the ultimate price for this country. Uh, Just right now, just your instinctual gut feeling, your emotions here. Do you think these protesters are living up to our father's expectations of what they wanted from this country? Do do you see eye to eye with all that is happening right now in Beirut and Tripoli and throughout Lebanon? Uh, ask you what do you mean by he would have prevented this? What, what do you mean by that exactly? When, when they say the, that 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 sentence, what, what does that mean exactly? uh it's of course it doesn't it doesn't uh there's no need for an introduction here your father was Wisam al-Hassan and um, he's buried in Martyrs Square uh the the uh commemoration of of that assassination just took place over the weekend October 19 uh 2012 and uh my father was assassinated just over a year later and they're buried side by side in Martyrs Square For me personally, just seeing people flocking to Martyrs Square, standing by those two tombs and, of course, by many other people that that died and are buried there, it is is a good feeling. I feel for the first time that this space in the heart of Beirut is being used for the right reason. It's not deserted. It's not empty. It's shared by the common person who wants a better Lebanon. And I don't know... have you been to the Darih since the protest began? Have you actually made it down to uh, to, to Martyrs Square? Yeah, I've made it there. I didn't go exactly
1: to my father's tomb because it was so crowded, but I was actually there like, overlooking
0: the grave. Yeah. And and does that sentiment, is it shared with you that, that in a way that this is a space that is now being used to its fullest extent? This is what Martyrs Square is all about. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way. I um I want to maybe gauge your mind here because I mean you we're we're I think a good 15 years apart in age. Did I get it right you're in your early 20s? Uh, 24. You're 24. Okay. Well, <laughs> I forget how old I am. I'm in my late 30s. So yeah, we're we're 15 years apart, but we we're in the same generation, the post-war generation that cares a lot about ...the politics of this country, but didn't have the tools necessary to bring about real structural change. Do you think these demonstrations, and we're, we're going to get into what's happening outside of Beirut, of course... and ...especially now that you're in Tripoli as well, but do you, do you think these massive protests... ...and I think up to half of the country at any point is on the streets now... ...do you think they are demanding fundamental change for this country... Or do you think that this is just a an outburst of anger at the economic decline of Lebanon? What, what, what do you see these protesters really, really demanding at the end of the day? I think they may not be saying explicitly, but I think the fundamental demand of these protesters, besides being economic uh, demands, they're also
1: like fundamental changes in the country.
0: Maybe I'll probe a little deeper here. Do you think that this system that you know, your father, my father, our, our grandparents, our great grandparents, and us as well, this this way of power sharing among confessions in Lebanon, do you think that this is a this system is genuinely under threat at the moment, or do you think because we know how entrenched it is in this country, do you think that it will potentially outlast the street and and the, and the demonstrations and I ask you this because you're you're younger than me you've grown up in the I mean you don't you don't have you don't have any memories of the war so you are literally from the you know from the rebirth from the Civil war and on but we have a sectarian system that is so so deeply embedded psychologically and and politically do you do you think it has the strength to outlast this moment in our history?
1: No, I don't believe it's going to outlast this moment in history, but I think part of it are going to remain in the psyche of the people, at least the older generation. Because the further we go from the Civil War, the less pain there's going to be in the population. Because, for example, me being born after the Civil War, I feel pretty detached from it, despite what my family
0: members or what my friends' parents or grandparents may have gone through. Can you can you maybe just elaborate on that and what, what do you mean by that? What is different between you and your parents when it comes to that that sort of relationship to the system itself? I mean, like, if we're going to talk about the Civil War and the system itself, the I believe the scars of the Civil War are still fresh in our parents' minds and all the population's minds. This is why it's very hard to detach themselves from any kind of... I'm not going to say hatred. Hatred is a strong word, but... Distrust towards the other sex, but like as we go further into the generation, this distrust kind of melts away because we're mixing in with each other. There are people who are advocating for civil marriage between different sects, Are people who are just finding no basis to push up people towards their uh, sex? Yeah, and and I mean, so the ultimate goal here would be, and, and this is of course just a subjective opinion here do you think the ultimate goal is a secular system as opposed to this way of power sharing among among sects is it is it really secular governance at the end of the day yes of course a secular system is probably the right way to go i'm not even gonna say probably it is the right way to go
1: i mean i'm not against religion being in people's culture but we need to make sure that there's a difference between religion itself and someone's personal life and integrating religion and politics and we all
0: know that it never worked well. Now I'm seeing of course, I mean you're in Tripoli and Tripoli shined. Over the weekend it became a world famous city for throwing what looked like a genuine party and a, I mean a true moment of, of joy and we we're both from Tripoli and we know that the labeling of that city is always unfortunate it's almost dismissed as a as a city of extremists and and rigidity and conservatism and and the things that are hard really to to digest because we're from there and at the same time maybe there there are hints of truth in some of that sentiment it is clearly not beirut but it is also not the extremist den people people throw the the accusations left and right towards it but that that moment where you had people, the average person, partying in Sehet Noor, the entrance of, of Tripoli's downtown. Do you think that the massive community that showed up there, and regardless of what confession they're from, even if they're all from the same confession, I don't think it really matters, but do you think that they yearn for the same system that you're describing? That it's not just the Beirut middle, upper class <clears throat> that wants a, s- a secular state. It's not just the AUB crowd. It's not just the, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the liberal segment of the population. Do, do you think that the protesters in Tripoli are also demanding for a secular state? And I know you don't. You can't speak on behalf of every protester, but the sentiment, do you think it's that's the sentiment at, at the core of what was going on at Tripoli? Yeah,
1: I, I, like you said, I'm not going to speak for all the protesters. And even before the protests, because I have so many friends in Tripoli, I know their sentiment from people who are from religious families to people who are from families that are disconnected from religious. They all yearn for the same thing. I mean, when I go, for example, to Mina, I meet people from all kinds of confessions and it's very really hard to imagine them. The city with a uh, reputation of being fundamental is having people from all professions, for example gathering in the bars gathering at the gathering no clothes of nightlife that may be uh, shunned upon by uh, religious uh, individuals
0: and what we saw happening of course not just in the north but in the south the these brave protesters in Nabati and sur challenging their leadership i mean is. The reason I'm going deeper into this is because I'm, I think, personally, I think those are the moments that are going to remember, be remembered most later on. That the whole country rose up. wasn't just Beirut. Unlike other protests that have happened throughout Lebanese history, all parts of the country at, at the same moment were demanding change. But do, do you think, and I, I say this because of the genuine fear that has persisted among communities in Lebanon, do you think that there is an actual way an actual platform available to actually maybe keep that fear at bay and and show that a secular alternative will will keep everyone safe in this country because it it seems so embedded and it's not of course it's not it's not the ideal situation because it's failing it's failing it fails repeatedly but is there a way to actually ensure that respective communities feel safe in a system that no longer works as a sort of a, a preservation of minority rights within the country and i'm i'm asking you this also because i know that you you studied political science and you're i mean this is in a way maybe it's your it's your field and it's your it's your work so what do you think about that keeping keeping fears at bay how can that be implemented properly if, if this system actually does collapse? I mean, if we want to keep
1: that fear at bay, first of all, we need to make sure that all sects are united under uh, one citizenship. It's the idea that, I mean, under the sectarian system, we first identify ourselves by our sex in Lebanon. And I find that very wrong because we're all Lebanese in the end. And it doesn't matter if someone is Christian, Jew, Shia, Sunni. We just all have the same rights, because under the current system, our rights are very different from each other, despite us living under the same roof that is Lebanon.
0: So you I get, I get a sense of genuine optimism, uh, 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 like hope from your end, that you're not skeptical about the fate of these protesters. You really think that there is change, or there is an expectation of real change on the horizon. Yes, I have.
1: From my side, I hear from the other side, they all say that it's kind of a conspiracy against one certain leader. And I say, no, it's not a conspiracy because they're all under the same, uh, how to explain it, they're all under the same veil uh, of criticism. They all uh, abide by the same sectarian system and they all need to go. It's not a conspiracy against anyone. People just need to realize that this is just the population's genuine feelings, and even though there may have been two million people on the ground, I'm pretty sure at least half of those who are at home are with the protest. They just either don't have the means to go to the protest, or they just are still afraid of showing their faces at the protest.
0: But can I, I mean, we can go as far as you want on on this end. What do you mean by afraid to criticize the leadership? Are you, are you talking here on on a sectarian scale, or are you talking on the leadership from the north, like Tripoli politicians in general, that they're afraid to challenge their their respective leader in, in Tripoli or the surrounding uh, surrounding villages?
1: No, the idea that I've been thinking about since the process started is that some people are afraid of criticizing their leaders, not because of their sex, but because of the clientelist system uh, regime it's the idea that well, if these protests fail and they know that I've been participating in these protests and I've criticized them I might lose whatever I still had left of a chance to live a normal life in this country oh, so these so are the providers of all the services to the Lebanese people, at least three quarters of them
0: so if I understood you right, you're talking about Wasta here The connections that are the the sickness of the country, the corruption, is that. uh, So okay, so this is a fear for their livelihood. In other words, it's an economic fear, more than a political fear. I have to admit, I'm not immune to that fear. I mean, like what I've criticized
1: Hasiri, I've been thinking that well, maybe if these protests failed, I might be at the end of the barrel of the gun that might be turned on the people who went to the protest.
0: Can I ask you, Mezin, you, I mean, I, 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 this is a back and forth between us. And I, I'd like to gauge your mind because you are the son of a martyr. And you are you, the reason you're in downtown, I think, is both hope for the country and justice for your father's legacy. I'm, I'm speaking, of course, on behalf of you here because I, that's, that's my sentiment. and Maybe you share it the same way. Maybe you don't. But that, this, this duty to the state... And you're you're I mean you're you're risking what you said is potentially true. You're risking tarnishing your pers- your prospective Wasta credentials later, <laughs> which is such a sickness in this country anyway. It shouldn't matter. Your right your right to free expression should include whatever you want. You can sound smart or stupid. You can be critical of the regime or support the regime. It's entirely up to you. I want, I want to gauge your mind on this. Do you think at this stage, at this stage of the demonstrations, now it's, it's about a week long now, we're in the sixth day, do you think this is the time for the Prime Minister to resign? I honestly, wait, hold on, give me a second, I need
1: to just put my cat in another room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the best censorship I've ever seen in my life. The cat, the cat bites you. <laughs> just, just give me a second you can ask this out oh, well I don't know it depends uh, is the cat holding you hostage or
1: <laughs> No, I think it just wants one company but I can't give it to him right now just give me a
0: second sure of course of course <laughs> <whistles> oh the cat is now part of the episode I love the timing is perfect, so let's let's go let's go back. I'll let you answer as much as you feel comfortable answering. As a citizen, as a patriot, as somebody who's passionate and and cares deeply about the future of Lebanon, do you think it's time for the prime minister to step down? I mean, honestly, look, I'm, I'm just going to be very straightforward, very honest. My dad, he helped him a lot
1: as much as my dad helped him too. And in the end, my dad gave his, his life not just for the country, but for the case of, uh, of hariri So, on a personal level, I don't have anything against the man, but on a political level, I have a lot to him for, and I think for him, in order to be able to attain his redemption, he needs to resign, but not just him. Because I don't think people understand the extent of what they're saying, they just need to tell them to resign and they need to make sure that uh, the deputies resign as well because if the government resigns alone, it doesn't do much. I mean yes people say it's going to be a void or not, it's just going to like work, be business as usual. It needs all
0: And you're talking about now a a uprising against Baabda, against Ainatine, against every respective MP. Did, did I get you right? That it's not it shouldn't just be a sarai It should be in front of all corners of power or state institutions. Yes, exactly. Do do you see that momentum though? Because I'm I mean, this is speculation. I'm, we're watching the same coverage when we're not on the street we're simply watching the same stations watching the protests do you see the potential for the president to step down or the speaker of parliament to step down because clearly you're right i mean what you're saying is is accurate that the system is not just one man it's not just the prime minister it's the whole state do you see other corners of the state and this includes this includes non-state actors the, our, our unfortunate, famous state within a state. Do you see protesters going to Dahi demanding Hezbollah disarm? I mean, we're talking now real refer, real, a real revolution in the country. Is, is that in the making here or is that sort of maybe beyond the scope of what's happening at the moment? But so I, okay, here I'd like to challenge you, and this is a, this is just a friendly debate here. Do you think that weapons, a disarming of of non-state weapons and a an attempt at establishing sovereignty and independence, pretty much the March 14 momentum that that was that unfortunately died years ago. Do you think that is the precondition for economic reform, or do you think it's the other way around? That the economic reform is a is one step towards an eventual reestablishment of sovereignty and independence.
1: I mean, see, the thing is that they're both intertwined together because we can have as much economic reform as we want. But as long as these weapons still exist in the country, we're going to be isolated from the world economy because we're going to still be linked to. Iran and uh, Syria, who are much isolated from the international community, and this is not going to benefit Lebanon in any way.
0: So there is still a big elephant in the room, that regardless of what happens at the moment domestically, on the economic and and the political level, that there is still that big issue that is yet to be determined. just uh, a bit of your final thoughts here. You're young. I'm unfortunately (laughs) getting older, but I'd like to say I'm I'm still young enough. Do you think, as our parents paid the ultimate price, as our fathers paid the ultimate price for this country, do you think that we will have our children growing up in a better Lebanon? And let's I mean, I'm talking forecasting 20, 30 years from now. We're both potential fathers or even grandfathers. Do you think we'll have generations of our own family in the future living in a better country? and i i just want to gauge your mind on this that do you think it's a benefit that these protests are without leadership that there's no visible face yet determining where this protest goes do you think that's a it's a benefit to have not one person sort of leading it or do you see it as maybe a potential sign of that it'll it'll lose momentum because there isn't a voice sort of above cuz i I, I compare this to March 14. That March 14, that the these voices emerged quickly, and you you saw that there were multiple leaders emerging, all on the same page, at least for a moment. Up until now, there isn't one person, or there isn't even a team of people. It's literally leaderless. What what do you see with that? Is it is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it both at the same time? I mean, as long as.
1: don't have a head to target, at least politically, I'm not going to say like try to take out physically, but like, they don't have a certain leadership to target, they don't have a certain leadership to criticize to uh, find anything with candles on. But in the long run, eventually, like, worse comes to work and we're just going to have uh, an earlier election but still have the same system. Yes, I think we need to have the leadership because this leadership is going to be able to uh, how to explain it, take away seats from the parliament from these uh, parties.
0: So the current establishment is unable to reform. That's what I'm getting from you. At the end of the day, the the current the current crop, they cannot be held to account because they are they have failed for so long. We need a fresh slate. At the same yeah. time, though, at the same time, we don't know who that is yet. Did I, did I get that right? That we don't, we don't have yet the, the actual names on the list. We don't have a platform that we can just sort of bring into the state and say these are the people, these are the independent people we want. We're not there yet. Did I, did I get that right? Uh, yeah, we're not there yet.
1: I mean, I, I'm part of a group of uh, doctors, teachers, professors, and uh, even uh, student bodies who are working on uh, plans to actually present to the people and uh, hear their suggestions, what do they want, what kind of leaders they want, but so far it's still leaderless and so far I think that's still a good thing because as long as it's leaderless people are able to rally around one thing, it's the fact that we're all Lebanese and every Lebanese citizen is going down.
0: well. I, I go back to what you said earlier. I think uh, Wissam al-Hassan and Muhammad Shatah buried side by side in Martyrs Square, I think, just as you said, they're both smiling right now. And I appreciate your optimism. And I really I appreciate your time. I know things are very tense at the moment. and Things are moving quickly. We couldn't meet in person today, I, but I really hope to see you in Martyrs Square in the coming days, even in Tripoli as well. So, I really appreciate your time, Mazrin Hassan, and uh, good luck with all that's coming. Thank you very much. I also appreciate my I just, I It would just kind of feels nice to actually speak my mind for once on uh,
1: with someone, even though I'm not very uh, familiar with but it still feels nice like to speak my mind and maybe have other people uh, listen to it.
0: Well, I guarantee you there's an audience uh, very eager to hear what you're saying, so... I appreciate it, Mazen. Thanks. Thank you. A voice of hope from the north, the elder son of Wissam al-Hassan, Mazen hassan I, uh, I relate, I relate because it's a shared pain and it's a, it's a shared determination to get the state back on its feet and to rebuild it properly. And I really hope that his optimism persists and I hope these demonstrations continue and I really hope real change is on the horizon. I'll keep these episodes going as quickly as possible and once again, a, an apology for the quick edits and all that. I'm delivering them as fast as I can. Until next time, I'm Rani Shattar, and this is the Beirut Banyan.